0: I love wine regions that are undeniably authentic and that always overdeliver. For me, that sums up Paso Robles. In fact, the first time I got on a plane in over a year and a half was to visit Paso back in April. Paso Robles sits in the heart of California's central coast. It's a big wine region that has many diverse microclimates and it allows for a stunning array of grapes to thrive. In short, Paso Robles has range. They aren't known for just one or two Varietals or wines, they make interesting blends from Cabernet Sauvignon and other Bordeaux varietals, Syrah and Rhone style wines, Zinfandel, Tempranillo, and they even make beautiful white wines. Side note for you guys, my number one wine of 2020 was a Zinfandel Tempranillo blend from Paso Robles. Just saying. I also love that it's made up of over 200 family owned wineries. We're talking salt of the earth people who put their heart and soul into their wines. Paso Robles is special, but now the word's getting out. You need to check it out and see for yourself what the buzz is all about. You can learn more at PasoWine.com, that's P-A-S-O-Wine.com. Hey, I'm MJ Taller, also known as a Black Wine Guy. I went from being a totally obsessed wine newbie to becoming the world's first ever African-American fine and rare wine auctioneer in less than three years. In this show, I'll be talking to the Mavericks, the philosophers, the players, and the deep thinkers who inhabit the world of wine. They'll share their experiences on how they made it, but more importantly, how they failed and got back up again. So grab a glass and let's get to it. This is the Black Wine Guy Experience. Hey everybody, what's up? It's your boy MJ. Welcome to the Black Wine Guy Experience. My guest today is founder and owner of Booker Vineyards, one of Paso Robles' legendary artisanal cult wineries, Eric Jensen. Eric and his wife Lisa purchased 100 acres of property in Paso Robles in 2001 with the intent of growing the best fruit for some of the best wineries in the area. After making wine with Justin Smith of Saxon for five years and Stefan Aseo of La Ventura Wines for two years, the Jensen's decided it was time to create their own expression and started Booker Vineyards. The 2005 vintage was their first release with the wines being made by Eric himself. Uh, and since that time, they've gone on to receive a number of accolades. And most recently, the vineyard received its organic certification in April of 2001. Welcome, Eric. Is there anything else you'd like to add?
1: Uh, I think this white we're drinking got a little heat damage. It's got like the pre-mox a uh, little bit more than it should, so I thought I'd add that to you. And it's basically fucking hot, so that kind
0: well, of... Well, it's, it's definitely not cellar temperature, um, <laughs> but it was funny. Actually, I, maybe pre-mox,
1: but... So why, why don't you enter the wines we have? And then well, we'll so we got a white, because <laughs> the wines that I shipped to you did not get there. So this white...
0: Yeah, we had supply chain chain issues with yeah. getting the, the, the samples here. We sent sure.
1: it two to ten days ago. I know. What the fuck? So the 16, uh, so what I do and the reason the color is usually not quite this gold, but you got obviously some gold color here is I I leave the Viognier and the skins okay. for anywhere. And 16, I think I did maybe 21 days. So you get really leeches out that color and it gets phenolic so it's definitely a wine you want to probably drink a little bit colder, like I'd I'd say fifty five at least, not seventy eight like it is this one is. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's the white. Wait, but is it's a it's 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 a blend? So it's, it's a Roussan base.
0: Okay, okay, I thought so. I was getting that Roussan richness. Yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah, Roussan base, okay. Viognier, a tad of Marsan, and. Was 16 the first year I added a little shard, or was that 17? it was 17. So Vi- Viognier with a Roussan base okay. and a Touch of Marsan, which is where you also get that heavy mm-hmm. Hermitage weight. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we've got Oblier and I believe it's 15, uh, the, the extended age, maybe 22 or 24 months. So that's Ooh. a Garnache-based wine. <laughs> it's Garnache Merved. And then 16, I don't remember what I put in this. Thing. Let's see what the fuck we put in this thing. Uh, we put thirty-eight Merlot, thirty Grenache, and nine Cognac, and uh, ooh, a little Cognac, a little bit of Syrah. Yeah, wow. The Forgotten One is what oublie means to forget. So in in, oh. in France, ah. very fancy I am with that's this. Schmancy. And the white I couldn't think of a name, and I still haven't been able to think of a name twenty years later. So it's just called white. Well, that it's
0: it's white. It's descriptive. Got a white capsule, nice white label. very simple. So definitely, we're gonna do this for when we do our little clips on social media. You saying don't touch the fucking wine? No, man. I'm just All spinning right. it around, bro. I got you. You, can t- you brought the wine. It's your you. wine. you made the wine. Shit, it's basically it's your wine. <laughs> Thanks for sharing. Um, so you know, you've listened to at least one or two of my podcasts. So you know, I like to start at the beginning. So I'm gonna go Biggie. Like, so where are you from?
1: Outside of L.A., San Dimas, California. Okay. Little tiny town, lower middle class family, nine bodies, stuffed in 1,000 square feet, great family. My dad still lives at the vineyard with me now. Okay. Um, Him and my brother. My brother is Booker's best employee, and uh, yeah.
0: So San Dimas, um, how far outside of L.A. is that? Because people are- 30 minutes. It's near- So uh, it's
1: like two miles. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I get from our house on a clear, non smoggy day, which is rare. When I was a kid, you used to have smog alerts. Um, here, my eyes still bloodshot. Yeah, you had a good night. Last and night. I, I, I've i added more, I added a half a bottle to them, and it, it's not seeming to work. I went <laughs> late, I woke up drunk, and I'm I took a sip of this. I'm just like right back. They're like, okay, good, okay. <laughs> last night was a big night at Crown Shy. Kristen, the psalm, was a night off, and she rolled in. We were going so large, someone else was paying. So <laughs> when you're buying, I'm going big. Uh, and, and she got off her couch, which is in the financial district, and her and her boyfriend rolled their asses in and grabbed some glasses and started drinking with us. So I'm banged up. so be nice to me, you're fucking already asking me all these quick questions and like oh, that's like that's, they'd yeah. have like a thousand answers. This to it. Like, what you, What's your favorite food you know and the like, I don't know. we're gonna, we're I had gonna... Bronzino for lunch yesterday. I mean, <laughs> short ribs and uh wagyu and uh some uh dorado for dinner last night oh so. very nice um well shit like <laughs> you would have lost for words now
0: did i stump you no not you at want all me that? to start asking the fucking I, questions no way so tell us what you have last night because you, you came in he came in i'm banged up look what i had and put on his phone so like, like what'd you have last what what is eric jensen winemaker owner well yeah owner well We'll get into like the guy who started Booker. What do you, when you come to New York? What, how do you roll that you make a psalm on a night off? Roll out, uh, roll uptown with her boyfriend and grab some glasses. What, what, what
1: how you How are you guys? How are you guys putting it down last night? We started with I think it uh, could have been a Krug Rosé, and then it was a Philippinot. I don't even. I had never even heard of this wine, and it it's a from a single parcel. Uh, so like within one hectare, yeah. it's from like the middle of that one hectare. It's our most special bottle, and uh, Jeff Mizell, our GM, he's he's a he he's a New Yorker. Uh, he he knows champagne as well as anybody, and he he sussed it out and saw it. And then the psalms all got on and so oh, you gotta get this. Because I was looking for salon, you know, I'm right. just a simple ho ho I'm know? just a simple just give me yeah. the, <laughs> Just give me the give me that green <laughs> bottle with the <laughs> S. And they said, Oh no man, you gotta do this. So we did that. And then we broke in and it got dirty. <clears throat> it started with the two thousand Latash, <laughs> D R C had uh, seventeen, Romani Saint Vivant. I don't wanna fucking hear anybody say, Oh, it's a it's a baby killer, blah blah that's the biggest line of bullshit. That wine has to be old to drink. That was made up by the fucking French and the British press because their wines were too tannic and too aggressive and they didn't know how to fucking make you know, they were they were maybe going to war or something, so they were pulling shit off and over extracting tannins. They didn't understand that right. tannins were the gift that kept giving and so yeah, you had to wait twenty years to even get near the wine but in today's world if if you can't make a wine drinkable off the bottling truck that also can age for 30 years as we're drinking my golden pre yeah and white
0: uh I, listen <laughs> i'm we're gonna i'm gonna have a little i might have a little more taste up then we're gonna i'm gonna take that home and chill it down and i'll, I'll give you the uh the, the skinny on it but i agree what you said like um we had a, we had a guest come on two weeks ago he brought a 2019 um <clears throat> Shit. Uh Vol Vaughn Romanet from uh I want to say Druin and like part of it, <clears throat> one of the parcels in it, like a butts, you know, uh Latash. But the twenty nineteen, like it was like it was delicious out the gate. So they were, it was like obviously age, but I, I would drink it young because it just was so just the fruit was there, it was silky,
1: tans, all integrated. Well, how many times do cats like me and you that are in the business roll to a party and everyone wants to show off? And they open, old bottles disappoint nine um, out of ten um, times. So nine out of it, ten.
0: It, it really is true. It's like, wah, 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 wah yeah. Like the price is right, right? Like literally it's like, you know, like nine out of ten times out of doubt. I'm like. Then you're, you're sitting around saying, "Oh, it's you know, it's 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 held this." I'm like, "No, I just want to drink this shit when it was in its pocket. I don't want to be, I don't want to be stretching." We're glorifying. Oh, it still it, has fruit. I, yeah, it's I don't, like- don't
1: want to find, have to find that shit. I want to search for it, man. Yeah, that's that's such a joke about our aristocratic business, and and what you do is great. I, I love listening to you, and I mean, you have that great knowledge, but you're not afraid to throw down like that and and just be honest because this this is the one percent of one percent businesses, and I'm trying to make this. A hundred percent business. Right. Everyone should be drinking wine. Right. But when we, you know, jerk off and sit there and, oh, you know, this needs fifteen more years and oh you can't open this. Now the Barolo we had last night, is very acidic, right? They can't get rid of the acid. Right. Uh, the uh, with barbaresco yeah. and, and Barolo. So that's kind of a, a wine that, yeah, you're gonna get a little bit more pleasure because it won't be so acidic. But for the most part Even there, uh, you know, we've all been told. And so you get the normal Joe on the street corner. They just want to drink wine. They don't want to sit here and dissect the damn thing. And that's what I hate about this business, that we have to, we're told what to like. Last night at the dinner table, I talked shit when I thought shit was warranted to talk about the wines that were there. And these guys are all, what are you talking about? All have it. And I go, good, have it, because I ain't have it anymore. (laughs) you know glorifying tired ass wines bready wines like all right man, let's go
0: so i love it so like you said and I, a lot of times people like it is like a one percent of one percent like when you're talking about fine wine people i think a lot of people don't even understand how crazy it is you know um and but you said like you said it wasn't a lot of coin in your house you grew up kind of poor um never going to nice restaurants um and I think, oh, yeah, when we were warming up, you're like, you're a college dropout, right? So, like, you went to Cal State Fulton. How long did you go to Cal State Fulton?
1: To be honest, bro, it might have been six years. <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> yeah, it could have been seven. <laughs> it it could have been six or seven. I don't It was wild. And... uh Finally, I just couldn't pass math because I didn't go to class, and so when you well go, at least so. <laughs> when, you, when you don't go to class, then you are going to write out your whole problem. I, I thought he was going to say write like out the whole answer or something. He's like, 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 no, I just had to get pass. I had to go to class. No, I was, I was math. Math was always like an eight o'clock class, and I never had any precedent to get like the twelve o'clock class. So it was the the calculus that was needed to graduate with a business degree. I, Eight o'clock. Shit, I slept till noon. eight o'clock class. I, I was a night class cat. Did you ever? But see- They never it? had it at night.
0: Yeah, they're not because the math teacher's corny as fuck. He's not trying to, He's yeah. not teaching at night. Do you ever see? Um, it's called uh, a PCU from the early nineties. Jeremy Piven, fucking funny movie. But there's a line there. He's like, he's he's uh, he got suckered into being a freshman tour guide, and he's like, here's you. Here's what you need to know. Class is nothing before noon or anything on Friday. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Fact, I never did I didn't have a Friday class in seven years. <laughs> if, it right? was, if
0: it was actually seven, it could have been six. Oh my god! I had a class. Speaking of never going to class, us, I, I had this class where um, it was my senior year, and on my six-year plan, and I only had like, <clears throat> I only needed like fifteen credits or some shit. I was like, no, I need like, I needed two classes, whatever the fuck that was, but I had to like register for like three um to get my financial aid so i registered for like swimming but that shit was like nine o'clock in the morning so i dropped that as soon as i could and i had this one class and it was in my major and that motherfucker i forget i mean it was on a thursday it was on a thursday but basically i didn't go for the first six weeks eric right and i show up in class right and the professor goes i swear to god he goes who the fuck are you (laughs) i said I said, uh, "I'm MJ Teller. I'm in this class." He's like, "The fuck you are! <laughs> You're going here in six Walk weeks. Walk your ass we're right back out of here."
1: Oh, that's. I gotta fun. be.
0: I gotta be. He, he
1: ended up loving me, but I, I was like,
0: "But I, I'm I, 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 I who the fuck are you? <laughs> he stopped
1: the whole class. Yeah, that's pretty unprecedented, it, six yeah, weeks. Yeah. I don't know if I can top oh, that. Man. Ugh. I at least had the damn decency to pop my head in occasionally. <laughs> see if there was any good looking women in there, you know. Well, you know what it was? But here's how I got I, I was able to say, I was like,
0: I said, like, Well, actually, it's four weeks because you know, this there was uh, the king holiday, it was like a holiday one day, and then we had two holidays during that time period, so there was no class. So I actually only missed four weeks. So he's like, Okay, motherfucker. I got my iron. Which could have been 12 classes, though. I, <laughs> I know. <laughs> All right. So um, <clears throat> Cal State Fullerton, like um, it took you seven years, but was um, that like, was it in college when you started discovering food and wine? Like what was like, yeah, what happened so in college? We,
1: we, you know, in New York, especially you guys have no concept of what I went through when it comes to food because you have food on every corner and you didn't always, not, not finer dining. But in San Dimas, there was like one restaurant. It was a breakfast diner. So we never went out. We went out for birthdays, right? If someone, or no, no, excuse me, graduations. When someone graduated from high school, we would go to like Sizzler or, and I always had to, everybody had to order off the kid's meal, even the the adults. My mom and dad were the only two. And my mom would just, you know, Mm -hmm. get a salad and like load up on breadsticks or whatever that, you know. Mm -hmm. And so we just never, I probably went out three times in my life, four times in my life. And then finally I went to a restaurant. So I hated wine in college. I just, you know, I drank shots and beer or whatever. Cause I'd never had a good wine. Mm-hmm. And my mom and dad liked really good wine, but since they couldn't afford it, they just didn't drink it unless someone else was visiting for like Thanksgiving or something, which has led me to end up making Harvey and Harriet, my $30, you know, yeah, pretty fucking sweet mm-hmm. uh, Cabernet based wine. And, uh, I went to a restaurant called Bertolucci's. I still see it in South San Francisco. I see the sign. Uh, I haven't been back in. And dudes are wearing tuxes. Now, in hindsight, they were probably all dirty. Yeah, green. it was grimy. It was just sweaty. Yeah.
0: Like, like nasty tux.
1: Yeah. It was like their uniform. But Motherfuckers didn't To, to wash see it. anybody in a tux, I was like, damn. And I, I started with like a not so old or a, a gold label Ducale Italian wine. Right. That my buddy's dad who drank a ball of wine every single night of his life. And got me into wine, Joe Zerwinski. And having that bottle that night changed my life. And everyone says, what was your aha? And fuck, I don't know. I was like 23. I don't remember what it was. But after that... When I would roll to parties, I would roll with a bottle or two of wine okay, and cigars. But they were always cheap-ass, like Swisher or something, dumbass. <laughs> Swisher Sweets. I got into cigars, and I don't even know if you could call it cigars. I think like mint-flavored something. Tobacco products. Yeah, tobacco. <laughs> Nicotine delivery <Yeah>. systems. <laughs> and wine. So I would roll in to a you know, banging party. Everyone's walking in with a case of beer, mm-hmm. and I'm rolling in with you know a bottle of wine. And so that was it. I and at the same time, my light bulb in college went off. My, uh, uh, my, get the hell out of here! What are you doing, man? You got. I started going and listening to these business guys speak in the business school, guys and gals, and um, in the in the business club. And these guys were, I was mesmerized. I'd always follow them to their car, and I'd say, "Hey, can I go take you to lunch?" And so. Wine and and an acumen to to for business and to wanna do better things in life, kind of right at the same time. Nice. <clears throat> so you drop
0: out. What 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 is a what is a a Cal State Fullerton dropout from
1: San Dimas do? Cold call. <laughs> Cold call. Okay. The fucking phone book, and I was took this job. My friend said, "Dude, there's dudes making a hundred grand," and I'm like what? Like I'd never, my dad made 28 grand the year he retired Mm. hundred grand. And so I start cold calling for oil and gas limited partnerships. You know, I thought they were the greatest investments in the world. Like I'm doing people favors. I need them to get on the phone with whoever I'm doing it for, whatever manager that I'm cold calling for to try to get a package sent out. And I was just better than everybody. And you're calling people at dinner you go, fuck you! Don't you ever call this number again, click. <laughs> so if you can get through that shit, I mean, you could take incoming so in you, a foxhole. You're
0: basically Giovanni Rabisi in Boiler Room, like you know, That's, like like it. your your job is to get is to get up Recco. Like to, like, can I send you a packet, but get them long enough, right? 100%.
1: When you get a hot one on the line, you pass it off to somebody. And instead, I, of passing off to somebody registered, I just started... You did what Giovanni did. Right did, there. Exactly. You reeled the in. And I did that for about a year, and I made a shit pile of money. But when I looked in the mirror, and I finally started asking people about it, and like, are these good investments? And when I realized they were dog shit, I couldn't live with myself. Yeah. I, just, I, I couldn't sleep at night. I got out of the business, walked away from making a shit pile of money, and realized... I ain't good at this, man. I ain't good at handling people's money, and so at that point in my life, I said, I'm never handling people's money again. I, I don't want anything to do with it. I couldn't sleep. Um, and you know, here you go from thinking you're doing the greatest, you're doing a service for people. Right
0: because that's what they tell when the sales training is like you are helping like when you're selling shit like that, you have to believe, unless you're a snake. Like you have to believe, like you're helping, you're you're helping people. They're this is going to pay off for their kids. They're going to put your kids through college. You know, blah blah blah. You have to believe that.
1: I really did believe that. Yeah. And when I then realized that if these things were ever going to work, it was so long term and so speculative, and that I, I realized it finally when I realized the commission they were paying me. I'm like, wait a minute, man. If I'm getting ten percent, that means ninety. Uh, the boss has got to be getting something. So what goes to work? Are they starting the investment with like eighty cents going to work? <laughs> that makes it that makes it very difficult, you know. He's uh, like, I might, might ever, I very... might never went to math class in college. Yeah, but this math don't add up. Yeah, <coughs> this shit didn't add up. And so you know, I'm not all that smart, but uh, so yeah, I got the hell out and I went into the music business. I went into doing festivals. And uh, okay, so what year? Well, what, what roughly what year was this about? So I did outdoor festivals in probably 91, 90 So you're before like before they yeah, were cool. Like exactly, I was. You're like you're like you're like when Lollapalooza was. Oh what? no, yeah, I'm pre Very yeah. <laughs> These cats weren't doing shit. I was doing outdoor festivals. Uh, I I always asked my buddies, So I got a buddy out here in New York, Rich Schaefer AEG presents Big Wig. I got Tom C in, in L A. The president of Live Nation, um, yeah, festivals, and Mike, Mike Evans in Philly. All these. Hotshot guys that are on my list now, we're just we become buddies. Mm -hmm. Music industry loves wine, the managers do because they haven't lost their right to drink yet. The the fans, (laughs) yeah, it it, booze don't work. Um, And so uh, I, I always ask them. The joke is, hey man, you guys got a plaque of me up in the up in the offices or anything? They're like, what? Like a brick in the? What are you talking about? I'm like, "I, I took all the motherfucking losses so you guys could make money in this business. I, I. I paved the way finding out what not to do. Right. And then you guys came in and did it right. uh, So I I ended up selling that business for like a million bucks. And I thought I was going to retire. I didn't know what a burn rate meant, you know. I didn't know (laughs) what. And so I'm like. We got got, got to take some steps, man. Okay, okay, okay. You're you're,
0: you're fucking selling uh, oil and gas futures and shit. Cold calling. Do that for you. Make some money. Then you go into concert promoting. Um, Like. You said you made a lot of mistakes, but like, who are some the people you worked with, man?
1: Well, so the first, the reason I got in that business is I had money, and I went to a celebrity sports invitational. Okay. See, now we're talking. Now we got some stuff. When up. I was young, see, you guys are you guys were still on the nipple. Now, uh, we're we the same age, man. Just
0: black don't crack. That's all that is. Yeah, that's true. And, you, you
1: look twenty years. Uh, <laughs> like
0: but we're actually the same. i was doing
1: the best. We're about well, the you same. You didn't age. have the night that I had last I night did not. either. Ah. <laughs> uh, Uh, Can you guys mask my skin? Is there any airbrushing that goes on here? Can we? uh, This bad Irish skin with booze don't make. So I go to the Celebrity Sports Invitational. Marjo Gortner. And Marjo was an ex-televangelist, made a bunch of money. Of course, a televangelist. Selling religion. Oh my God. And then he started doing these celebrity sports invitational. When you and I were kids, you'd turn on ABC Oh, on it was a pro Yeah. Yeah, it would yeah, be I remember eight is enough versus uh, Melrose Place but, yep. versus, you know, yep. Beverly Hills 90210. Yep. They'd be doing jet ski races, yep. volleyball. And so uh, uh, I go on one of those, and I'm hanging around with Gerardo Mejia, uh Rico Suave um OJ Simpson pre uh whatever you want to well, say yeah, pre, <laughs> pre, pre knife pre, pre slash but he's innocent he's out you know pre uh, uh but but a lot of those guys uh Jim Kelly um oh my God, Wolfman Kelly. Jack radio guy um, you, Dick this Van is Patton, all this is this is like nostalgic they were you. all yeah. on the panel judging okay i i bought so, excuse me wait a minute back up i buy an auction item to judge a Miss Hawaiian Tropic beauty pageant. <laughs> and at this event, OJ's there. James Cole From Godfather, of course. Go figure. Ball. And I buy the right a seat for eight G's to judge the International Miss Hawaiian Tropic. Uh, don't ask me if it was a good investment. I'm just, you know, that was a long time ago. I'm here to say it was a pretty solid investment. Yeah, I mean if you're here
0: today, <laughs> you know. And you know, and uh it was probably a good investment. <laughs> I was single. Exactly. It, it was in <laughs> Florida. Just you know, it was on
1: the beach in Daytona, and so was it during spring break. It was, like spring, it was spring break. break. Uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. actually baller shit. Baller shit. So I'm hanging around with all these cats, and me and uh, uh, Gerardo became buddies, and so we hung out the whole time. And what I realized right there is this is my next calling. This guy, Ron Rice of Hawaiian... Judging beauty (laughs) pageants around the world. I can do this, you know. I'm fairly uneducated. And uh, so I realized, damn, this guy has it made. Ron Rice has all these other people paying for his event. Mm, So he's got Yamaha sponsoring. I'm sitting there with all these sponsors, John Paul Mitchell hair care products. And I realized all these banners that are put up around the stage. And then finally I asked the guy at Yamaha, he's the president. I said, what'd you pay? And he goes, we all pay about 10, 20,000 bucks. And the light bulb went off. I'm like, no one's doing this in any other industry. I'm going to do this in the music business. Mm. And so I start doing these festivals with these backdrops that say Bud Light and Glen Ellen wine. And I remember the bands coming on and their manager's like, what the hell is that? I'm like, Did you get paid today? Yeah. Shut the fuck up and go perform. What are you you worried about how I'm making money? I ain't making it off you. I can tell you that. And I remember managers are starting to call me like, what the fuck's going on? What are these banners? And so they, at that time, contractually, there was nothing that stopped it. Right. And so they started calling me into their offices to teach them how to do it. And that's when I saw the writing on the wall that once these guys started realizing they were gonna tap into sponsors for their artists, oh, yeah. it was gonna change everything. Yeah. So that's when I got out of the business. I sold it and I used that money to buy the piece property. And oh. then I was broke as hell. <laughs> I had no, I didn't save any, I wasn't smart enough to buy a smaller piece and put some money aside to pay myself. So that that led me to the vineyard. I bought the uh sold that company and bought the piece of land and was broke as hell, lived in a modular home with babies and uh worked 7 days a week for about 5 years.
0: So and that was around like 2001ish. Yeah, yeah right. So around So um you know, what people what did your like music people think when you're like i'm first of all you're down in la right and i think i somewhere i read somewhere like you know you you had it you had the house like in beverly hills and shit newport something. newport that's right newport which is super dope um you know but you had like you, somebody said you had a pool boy you had a gardener and then like you fucking moved like first of all well slow down on the pool boy i just had a guy to clean the pool once a week i, I, <laughs> I mean i don't mean pool boy in the 80s movie pool boy connotation yeah because that kind of kind so mean, of he, I mean, I mean,
1: he was sleeping I mean, with my wife that's what i'm saying you know? exactly
0: right for you guys who are a little younger listening you should watch uh was it with delivery boy uh all those 80 movies
1: <laughs> where it was good to be a gardener exactly and a pool boy exactly yeah go yeah yeah exactly. sancho they call that yeah. in mexico right dad leaves out the front door sancho comes in the back
0: oh that's right that's uh Now it all makes sense. That's the Sublime song. Sancho. Yeah. Yeah. Mm.
1: Bust the cap. put it it, it, in Sancho's 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 eyes.
0: What I really (laughs) want (laughs) to know,
1: Uh my baby. (laughs) What I really want to see. Dirty Heads were just in. Uh, They did that tour with Sublime. They were in Paso. Dirty Heads, these guys, they are studs. Badass band. I mean, come on. It's fucking reggae it's its it's its own sound in Long Beach. Oh, it is. That that,
0: that that whole sound, having lived in California, like, I don't know if people in New York can get with it, but like, it's fucking dope. You're there, you you know, you, you, uh, you're faded, you're smoking weed, it is the perfect, <laughs> and like, and it's nice, there's palm trees, like, it's like, it's like it is like like one of the most unique uh, music experiences you've Well, I was have. sitting
1: with Dirty Heads they come into the winery and they're just, all they wanted to do was ask questions because their, their show was that night. They were doing two back-to-back nights and, They were, I'm like, you guys know you're the first musicians that actually still get to drink that have come here. I I get a lot of musicians, but they're with their wife and they're sober as shit and their wives are drinking, but they lost their card. (laughs) And uh, they're like, yeah, that's the great thing. Other than what's his name, the sublime singer who OD'd and and right died. Um, He's all that's our business was never, it was just weed. And so, like, we have longevity. And these guys were. Getting on, you know they. Yeah. I don't know how old they were, man. They were so fucking cool, but they all looked thirty-five. That band right. been around a long time, right? And well, you have to stop
0: partying if you're going to be a musician. They were pros, yeah, because because like you're like that's like fucking looking. I'm like shit, dude. Like look at Lenny Kravitz's little ass, man. He looks the same. Clean living, although he does drink champagne. He drinks some shit, but he ain't, he's probably gets his
1: blood changed. Don't super you know, like, I don't know, Keith. <laughs> I was watching Keith's documentary the other night, and he was still drinking. I, I forget who it was. Uh, not, uh, Hooker's gone. Buddy Guy asked him, hey, man, can you still drink? And he goes, yeah. I'm like, no, I wanted to jump through the TV. <laughs> he can't fucking drink. Look at the guy. Like, But he drank with him. And I, everyone says, oh, no, he doesn't drink. I'm like, bullshit. <laughs> he, he sipped whatever the moonshine that Buddy pulled out was. I think it was Buddy in that scene. They're shooting pool and just drinking.
0: So – Paso Robles. People who, who follow my IG feed and, and and listen to the show, I do have a lot of love for Paso Robles. Central Coast and then and then Paso Robles has really come a long way because when I lived out there it was still young and it hadn't really found its footing. Um, but why what about Paso Robles? Why would you move from Newport Beach to Paso Robles in two thousand and one? First wrong with you, man. I,
1: I keep messing with my wrist here because I don't want a show, so I'm just gonna come out with it. I got a Rolex on. So I've had this Rolex since I was like in my 20s and my buddy was going to buy it a couple months ago for $5,000. bucks. i am like, yeah, I, didn't, I never wear it. And my daughter went and got it appraised and it, it's 31000 bucks. I was giving this wine to a dude for five Gs. That's how fucking smart I am. That <laughs> goes back to the Fuller days.
0: Yeah, because I said, you don't want to handle other people's money. Maybe you shouldn't handle your own. Good and thing so, you have a daughter. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably not. And
1: so we come to New York and I'm like, fuck, this thing doesn't button. So I got to bring it. And now that I know what it's worth, I'm afraid to leave it in the hotel room and so i'm wearing it but i don't want to be a douchebag so and show the watch so That's i keep hilarious. fiddling because it's too big and it, the the rolex shop did button it they fixed it they tightened it it took them like two seconds uh pastor robles is the shit man if you don't know about Paso, see all Paso used to be known as was uber high alcohol over ripe yep. And, and, and like, Jeb just talks shit to me, like, oh, Eric Jensen's changing his style. He's getting more finesse and elegant with his 19s and and 18s. It's like, what, because I don't fucking want 16 alcohol? I, I'm done hearing about balance. Uh, I'm old. And, yes, you can make 16 balance. You can make 15 balance. You can totally make a balance. balance. But my body doesn't give a fuck if it's balanced. I'm all a 153 and I'm 54, and I just can't handle the booze anymore. So I made a conscious decision to use double sided shade cloth and bring the booze down in my wines. And so now people are, I'm getting people talking shit because I'm, you know, it's 14.5. It's like, listen, that's still a lot of fucking booze, man. Yeah. 14 to 14.5 14, ain't light. That's not light. Like- but anyway, so Paso is the shit. There's so many young winemakers there, male and female, that are doing shit that is as good or better than Booker. I, I'm just gonna call it straight out. I mean, Paso's just dope as hell. I mean, everybody's cool. You know this about Paso. Yeah. There's no aristocracy. It's a bunch of people that have no money. It's it's a place for dreamers.
0: Right? It is it is it is like some I was telling who was I talking to this about uh the other day. Oh, Liz. You know Liz from uh I don't even know her vineyard. Uh I stayed there when I was in Paso. That's the thing with Paso. It you gotta listen. Don't try and drink with the Paso Roblins because <laughs> you'll get. They, there's literally a thing called the Paso shakes because the wines are high octane, but they're harm. They are in balance um, most of them now, and that was the problem early on. And when I was in Santa Barbara, uh, when I lived there from like '99 to 2010, like they were they were changing. But like you you get some of that early stuff from Paso, with the exception of like like the pioneers, like shit was just flabby. It, it oh, the shit. zins were disgusting. Oh, they were
1: disgusting.
0: Yeah, they weren't they weren't good wine. A so. lot of them
1: were still sweet, no yeah. acid, so yeah. totally flabby. And um we did have some great pioneers that paved the way for us. And and now this next generation is like, I mean, they're dirty. Like yeah. this shit, and they're charging 40, 50, 65 bucks and you're like, why are you doing that to me man raise your damn price right like let's get going yeah and uh but paso like i said it's for dreamers it's for everybody that wants to be in the business but couldn't afford the hoity-toityness of napa or santa barbara yeah and you know and and the you know that's the, the people there the, the rich people have priced out all the kind of cool cats all the people that really yeah no no
0: doubt no doubt i agree i mean i mean uh, people get mad, but I mean Napa. Yes, there are still some small family wineries in Napa. There are, but by and by, it's like I made money in tech. I'm going to Napa. I'm going to put out a four hundred dollar cab.
1: And then they tell my friends that are making the wine, G- just give me a hundred points. It's like, oh, okay, yeah, <laughs> let's go. Like, it's douchebaggery. You know, <laughs> yeah. the Napa winemakers are a fucking great guys. Yeah, and my friends that own wineries are are normal dudes. Right. That are owners. like I said, there are
0: people yeah who, who still own, but like by and by. And and that's the thing with, with Paso Robles, like you said, was, like, it was, like, um, at the time, and now it, things are starting to change, but um, it was a place for dreamers. Like, you could still afford to buy some land, you know what I mean? And, like, regular people, like, like uh, you started working, you know, Justin Smith taught you how to make wine, you know what I mean? And shit,
1: he didn't really know what he was doing. Right. He, he told me to go to Stefan. Yeah. He goes, ah, you know, man, I don't... I just know what I know from making it with my dad and from doing some stuff at wild horse. And then me and Matt started Lenny Colado. But yeah, I, you, I can't be your winemaker. I can't, you got to go to Stefan sale. Stefan's formerly trained in Bordeaux and St. Emilion, and like, Hey man, you got to go to him. That's how unsure Justin Smith of Saxon was.
0: Yeah.
1: And, um,
0: but yeah. even at that point, like they were regular people, like, you know, Mark Adams, MCA, that's my boy. Like he was like, he said, he said, listen, you know, um, you know, land was cheap in Paso Robles in the 70s. My parents just made a good purchase. It yeah. wasn't like they paid, like, you know, 70K for you know, a bunch of – for a ranch in the 70s, right? Like, yeah. that's just a good purchase. Like, you know, it's probably what my dad paid for our house with, you know what I mean? So, but, like, you got – you know, but regular people moved up there, you know?
1: Oh, yeah. And, and you know, listen, the history of Napa is that way when you go to a lot of those – older people. They just made it famous. And thank God for the winemakers there because they still make Napa badass because the, the the winemakers are still just salt of the earth people up there. But Paso the difference was that we could all borrow money to own our own land. Right. We were done, we were just lucky enough to find a place that was so badass, had soil that was, you know, had had this incredible amount of calcareous and siliceous shale in most cases. Uh, there's some great Cabernet sites that are that are a lot more clay, but and had this diurnal swing where we have these cold nights where the plant shuts down and doesn't grow, so we still retain this acid that nobody in the world gets. And um, it we realized pretty quickly what an unbelievable special place. This wine, both these wines, I think, got hot, maybe. You think? Uh, yeah, they're both a little bit, I think... Uh, I'm gonna check the corks. They both to me sound like they got a little bit of heat in transit. Um, but anyway, so this is uh, Oblié 22 month uh, from 15, which was already in the state of California, a very oxidative year. Okay. So if you all got 15s from Napa, Santa Barbara, California, those are early drinkers. Um, we we're coming out of a. I mean, we this... were, we're at the tail end of a severe, severe drought. So these, this fruit actually started oxidizing on the vine. I started blowing up phones uh, about halfway through aging, talking to Benoit toquet and Tony Biagi up in Napa, talking to uh, uh, Jordan Fiorentini at Epic, a lot of people, and saying, hey, man, how are your 15s aging in barrel? And they're like, fuck, we're getting nervous. We might bottle early. Talked to Justin. Everyone started going, they're badass wines, but we're going to get them. Off early because the, these these wines do not want to hang out in barrel for two or three years. These wines want to jump in. And problem with that was the severe drought the state was having. So these wines actually the grapes. Um, I, I walked backwards with with two scientists, Bruce Zucklin, Mark Batney, and then another guy, Mark Greenspan, top water guy in the state. And we kind of surmised that it's not really what we did in the winery with too much air. Or oxygen. It was really the the process started on the on the vine in uh, 2015. So if you got 2015s, thousand would probably, you know, sixteen or fourteen ago. Shit, fourteen ago, forty years. But if you got 15s, it's probably a pretty sweet window for them.
0: Yeah, and actually, I was just I was just checking it out. Like
1: even your 2015. This was this is only fourteen five. You know, it's like yeah, and we always want to be fourteen fourteen five. I I again this is no knock and I used to make 155 everything of mine was my sweet spot was 152 yeah um but th- just for me it's the older I get I just can't handle the booze and I like to drink so much I don't like to be drunk yeah last night I was fucking gassed I mean I'm in a bar in the financial district drinking some mezcal fucking tequila drink. Oh, you had one of at, those nights. At one thirty. Yeah, now. it's like, oh, we had all this great wine. Now let's do hard stuff. Yeah, let's do a paper plane and then some tequila oh. drink. I ought not have been where I was. <laughs> Kristen and her boyfriend dragged me out with them. And the financial district isn't booming at 1 No, <laughs> hell no. <laughs> the sidewalks are rolled up, and we rolled into some cool little bar, and it was uh, just all individual, like, where the fuck are these people coming from they all just kind of got off work you know (laughs) and then there was one dude that didn't work and uh, that was that's for another conversation with me and you but anyways yeah so it was a late ass night and then I lost my glasses so I couldn't call Lyft and so Kristen's boyfriend had to call Lyft for me and then when I got home and I was they were in my pocket (laughs) I looked for those damn glasses That's for three awesome. hours. Went That's back to Crown awesome. Shy. That's awesome. Looking. I got the whole restaurant looking at her tables. Those fucking glasses were in my fucking pocket. Right in my jacket pocket. I couldn't have missed these things. You know what? That's a good
0: point to take a quick break. <laughs> and we'll be right back with more Eric Jensen. Hey, everybody. What's up? It's your boy, MJ. I know you like podcasts because you're listening to one right now. If you want another one to check out, you will love where the wine takes you it's a paso robles wine podcast hosted by adam montiel and this podcast is all about the wines winemakers and stories of paso robles it's available on apple spotify or wherever you get your podcasts you can also listen to it on their website paso wine p-a-s-o wine.com we're back we had, we had our first ever potty break <laughs> on the Black Line guys. These California boys, they can't go. New York, we just go. We just come here for fucking two hours and go, E. Slow your fucking roll, <laughs> man. I got the bladder of a 90 year old. We go. <laughs> All right. Um, so you were quoted as saying Paso is raw, legit, and without pretension. You come around next, and I'll be around here, and you'll be alienated in a day. Talk about that.
1: He's well, like, I, gold I, Ro- I said that? That gold <laughs> Rolex I was wearing, I wore that into town the first night, and Chris Cherry looked at me at the dinner table at Via Creek, and he goes, bro, turn the watch down. <laughs> like, his gold watch shining. I'm like, what a fucking douche I am. You know, Put that watch, watch in the drawer for 20 more years. If it had been in the drawer before that, I don't know why the hell I wore it, but uh, yeah. And that, and by the way, I rolled into town with the Mercedes Benz, and I sold it. <laughs> to an attorney the next uh, next day, I called know. my buddy Daz and said, "Daz, you were looking for a car, right?" He goes, "Yeah." Go, take, take the Mercedes out my hands. I got a dirty old truck, the <laughs> dirtiest one I could find—a Dodge. It thing sounded like it was crushing rocks. It was so loud, Dodge diesel. And uh, even today, I still—I have an electric car, but yeah, I said, "Motherfucker, a dirty you truck.
0: rolled up uh, for our interview in your Tesla, but that's okay." I
1: got the cheap ass Tesla. That thing's thirty-eight k. I know, but
0: it's green too, though, so it's good. And, you, and you're no, mine's white. I don't know, but it's green. It's a green car. It's electric. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I have. He was a little. He was a little banged up last night, right? He's like, he's like, it's white. I know
1: what color it is. Yeah, it's we're off the grid at Booker. So yeah, everything's right. on so, on solar. So, so that's, the houses, that's fine. The yeah. wells, and so I had to get one, and I got the cheap one, motherfucker. Huh. I I still drive that beat up ass truck, Uh but yeah, yeah, I do have a Tesla. Um, <laughs> so let's talk about the
0: property in Paso. You had a little bit of a false start, like you bought some prop. You, you You went over you yeah.
1: bought some property, and uh what happened again Chris cherry Justin was laying it out, Justin didn't have the way to fucking tell me that it was the wrong property, and so he's laying it out, designing it, and finally, I'm in the bar one night, and Chris goes, "Are you sure that you got the right property because you're gonna be the guy like we're counting on you to develop this in badass project he called it the Jensen project." We're counting on you to put help put Pass on the map with Matt Travis and with you know following you know Gary Eberly and, and Justin Baldwin on the right. west side right. at Justin Wines. We're counting on you to you know this is going to be important. Is that property going to get you there? And I'm like, holy shit, like, I don't I well, don't know. Is that
0: what Like what are you saying, motherfucker? Tell me. Like spit it out.
1: Well, I kind of started to think that way because I was really heavily studying soil science with Justin's dad, Pebble Smith. Um, working with him a lot, calling him every day, reading every book I could get my hands on. Um, but Justin's dad was very influential in my farming side of things. Okay. Um, him and my current viticulturist, Hillary Graves, her husband Simon. Man, I used to call these guys off the hook. But as I started learning about the what soils were doing the best in Paso, I quickly realized then after Chris said that that this piece did not have that. It was going to be a higher pH. Uh, wine because the 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 ph on the soil was so low um it it was fertile it was going to be the soil was going to retain a lot of water so we were going to have a heavy canopy probably a heavy set and it was just going to be difficult didn't mean i couldn't make good wine out of it but couldn't get to where i am now and then the second we pulled onto what was in the booker trust from these two orphan brothers right when we pulled into that property uh, me and Justin with uh, uh legendary real estate uh, rancher and real estate guy guys branch and do real estate there uh Hugh Pitts RIP uh me and Justin looked at each other smiled and said we're good this is it
0: yeah so you just said something that just uh spawned a question and you like said they Paso was like actually counting on you putting him on the map was that because of your experience as a promoter like you did you have a reputation like this guy eric jensen you know he's done con- he knows how to sell shit like wh- why would why were they expect why was the jensen project um so important to people
1: well let's uh, first of all let's walk back any arrogance that comes out of that statement i don't think they, it was arrogant by the way i, mean, I were, love your humility i don't think it was arrogant but go ahead walk they back. were counting on i i i should preface that. They were counting on me and a couple, La with was Stefan. They were counting on what Justin, him and Matt Trevison had split. Right. And Matt kept Lenny Collado. Justin wanted uh, to create this brand called Saxon, which I thought the fuck, that's the horrible name. But like any name, on was a horrible name when he first came out with it. But once it's badass and cold wine, you're like, oh that's oh, great. Oh, oh yeah. Name, oh, right. oh, I see you why know? you did that. <laughs> but I mean it's Saxon, like it sounds horrible. It's like what the And so I was an important to these guys, like, hey, we can't keep getting it wrong here. Got it. We, we, they, these guys saw the vision of where it was going. And so, you know, the, the group that hung out a lot was Scott Hawley. It was Justin Smith. It was uh, Scott of Torin. It was Chris Cherry, uh, myself. And there was another guy, Matt Gerritsen, who ended up going in a different direction. He's in the, on the distribution side now, uh, I believe, in Minnesota. But these were important projects to not screw up. For Paso mm-hmm. going where we all wanted it to go,
0: right? Because, like I said before, it, you know it was it was hit or miss in Paso, except for a few people, right? So, but, um, so you also just mentioned something about uh, the Booker Trust or some Orphan Brothers. So, like, um, wine is all about the stories. So, what's the story
1: behind Booker? Two orphan brothers uh, adopted at like 10 and 12 as strong backs for a woman that's husband was probably already diagnosed with cancer. I'm not 100% sure on the – it's hard to find the real story there. Um, And they took care of her, and all they did is farm. And they Mm -hmm. continued to buy every farm. When a farm would come up for sale, they just needed more graze land. They had animals. uh, They grew hay and and barley and and safflower and just – they turned fields, whatever was the commodity was hot, whatever they can get money for. But they were so great. They donated all their money throughout their whole life to charity. And then when they died, they gave it all away because mm. they had no heirs. And so when I read about him, when I heard about him, I bought the land literally from the Booker Trust. It had sat vacant for years. And Rod Weeby and a couple of the old great farmers used to just farm it. They'd they were allowed to per the trust and so I bought it and I thought so much of the story that I wanted to name even though they didn't drink they weren't drinkers and they never had grapes I thought it would be such an honor to honor their name and keep it alive because they were becoming forgotten about that generation was dying off and so I wanted to make sure that people knew what they did for the community to make the community so strong and in that since people like the winemakers I've mentioned to you that I'm friends with, we carry that, we take that very serious in our philanthropic endeavors with must charities, with all the things we do with scholarships for farm workers, kids. Mm. We're very big into putting back into Paso. And we lean into it. It's not like chump change. We all give a large portion of what we make right back into the community.
0: Nice. So you were working... Uh, we know you're working with Justin Smith, but um let's talk a little bit um about your friend Stefan Aseo because he's a French winemaker, said uh uh Bordeaux trained. Tell people a little bit about him and then and, and kind of what he brought to Paso so, and why he why you know so many people well, a lot of the big domains, they went up to Napa. You know, they got their ass stomped in the uh, fucking Judgment Pass. It's like, okay, oh, let's take advantage. And they bought a p- property in Napa. Why did Stefan come to Paso
1: Robun? kind of like, how did he influence you, man? The adventure. Uh, first time I got in a car with him, a truck, me and Justin picked him up. And uh, he was smoking a fucking cigarette. And he rolled up all the windows so the cigarette didn't get blown out. Right. he was, it was old school. It's It's like being a kid in the 70s. Was and was he wearing his was wearing dolphin boy. shorts and like... <laughs> A tank top. He was, uh, he was very French and, uh, but formally trained, Bordelais, and he just got tired of that shit. You know, this Stephon has lived nine lives. You know, this is a guy that sails. That you know, he's he's done. You know, he's done his share of Pink Floyd and Zeppelin concerts and, and confused and all uh, the accoutrements. Yeah, and all the accoutrements <laughs> that go along with that. Stefan's lived nine lives and he just got tired of that bullshit being told what he can grow, how to grow it, what his yield could be just all this bullshit. And said, fuck that. So we went to her and he found Paso and he almost lost it. He got into some trouble, uh, that wasn't his fault and bailed it out and became a legend. Anybody that's ever met him, the guy is, you know, he's one of my, I consider him an extraordinarily close friend. Uh, we travel together. Um, he's, now retired. He just consults for La Venture. His daughter runs it. But uh he's a he's a freak and he's a, a freak winemaker. So he was our go-to. All of us kind of went to him because he he had a freakish palate. Oddly enough, can't taste TCA. Mm. But he had a freakish palate for very Michel Roland like. And I think what ended up becoming he taught me he taught me the 1% margins. Like he taught me just drinking enough and paying enough attention. He could taste the wine and say, you need 2% more of this or half a percent more of this. That became kind of my specialty. Like I, I wasn't as sophisticated as all the other winemakers. I just worked very hard. I hired a lot of scientists so I could try to catch up, Mm. but I became a 1% percenter. like I could go into a blending and say, yeah, this you need, you know, One more barrel or a half a barrel of Grenache is going to make this wine, Um, at least to my palate, right? Right. And that very subjective wine is, right? So one man's trash becomes another man's treasure. But that was the greatness of Stefan and his ability to become everyone's friend. Couldn't remember anyone's name, which is why he just... You know, he he would uh get so confused when I would call him. And then when he'd call me Eric Zizi, Stefan. you know me, uh, your favorite neighbour. <laughs> like hey, you're the only fucking French guy I know. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to remind me every time. And that's how I came up with my favorite neighbor. But Stefan Oh, okay, yeah, we're gonna okay. Oh, I love he, it. he was he was just a legend. You know, at two in the morning he'd be on a table and he'd pick up a magnum and just start dousing it. You know, he was he, yeah, he didn't want a lot of coins with him because he didn't care what the next day was going to feel like. <laughs> he lived in the moment. Oh, my God. One of those guys.
0: Um, that's really cool. So he's one of those guys like, so you mentioned um, like Rulan. He does a lot of work in Napa. Um, but the, the people who know like the blenders, like have you had any work with, I know um, Justin works with Philippe uh, a little bit. Like, I, And I've heard Philippe is that guy who's like, he'll just come in and be like, it should, like it should be thirty six percent. This thirty blah, blah 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 blah.
1: Yeah, but that like like I just said, that's to Philippe's palate, right. and, and that's why I I I didn't want to step on anybody's toes. And I said, you know, when I say right for your I palette. think but, my specialty is that
0: I can call that out. But, but but I mean to that point though, that I mean, and sorry, but like Jeb just did a great post with his top one hundred wines. He's like he, he told me the role of the critic is just like, but you don't have to like what he likes. He's just analyzing the wines, right? But like, like I think our palates kind of. I like the I like wines that you like, you know what I mean? But there are certain people who like, but I can't imagine what it's like to like, like when you see shit like this. Like, who the fuck decided it needed 9% nine percent cuwin? What When You're tasting through percent.
1: it when you're tasting, and nine percent of cuwin. the fuck? Why, why that grape? Because when you're tasting through it. You have an idea. There's not a winemaker in the world that doesn't have an idea of that particular wine he's blending and where you want to go. Okay. And so Philippe has his idea, and I've right. done a lot of drinking with Philippe. Uh, was was at one point going to do a wine with him, but the, the whole overseas it just gets hard. Well,
0: I know my buddies up in Sonoma did that, and he doesn't even speak good English. Like they yeah. literally. They, they, uh, Phil Couture did a wine with him. Yeah. And Phil
1: and Tony Biagi and those guys last right, right, lasted. Right, right. It's, right. it's hard.
0: Yeah. And they had to have someone translate and then like, you know, it, it, it gets it, it, rough. It, it's
1: a bit much. It's a bit much. So I, I've, <laughs> I've, I don't do it with other winemakers. I love my friends. We've all, we always talk about it. It's just easier because the other thing is what happens when he wants a little bit more Grenache and you want a little bit more Cunhau's or he wants more Syrah. So needs more cowbell. When you ask that question, it's you have in mind. So I know what I want Obl-A to be like. I know what I want fracture to be like. Right. Justin Smith knows what he wants. Specific skews to be like, or they just say, Hey, it's whatever this block is. That's, that's going in the wine. And that just so happens to be mostly Syrah. But then there's a little bit of ganache next to it. It's all going in. That makes your job easy. It's when you have a vision of what you want your wine to be. And as you start blending, you got runners. I used to do it out of every barrel. And now I just got uh, – it's just, you know, the the Tasmanian devil. I'm like, uh, we have five guys running. Like, no, 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 get – no we don't want any wood give me some Syrah with no wood on it we want something a little riper maybe more acid so we get on VinTrace on our phone and we look up the most acidic barrels real quick makes it a lot easier in the old days you had to just go through every barrel laborious blending took months for me months I would start I would finish a wine in maybe two weeks because I had to taste through so many barrels and I didn't have the data now I have all this data plugged into my phone mm. And so I know, okay, I need a little more acid. This one's getting, it doesn't have the pop that I need. Um, so yeah, blending is, is, is become pretty easy. In your mind, you know what you want. You, you'd you see pretty quick. Mm-hmm. Now, are you going to make a wine going back to Jeb? You know, critics, it's one fucking person's palate, bro. It just, it doesn't make a lot of sense. You love them when you get good scores and you hate them when you get bad scores. But Jeb's palate is is so different than Josh Reynolds at Vignous and, yeah. and, and, and 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 Tony Galoni.
0: Well, right? Antonio's is completely different from Josh's and I mean
1: oof. completely. Oof. And so what you have is you have some of the biggest critics in the world, and none of them jive, right? And so it becomes difficult. Point. And and by the way, they're tasting a wine and spitting it. And then going on to the next wine. <laughs> These are very good points, because
0: people um, you know, I think what when the Psalm movies came out, a lot of people poo-poo on critics. Um, but even a psalm, it's just one person's opinion. That's it. And and what I tell people is, you have to find someone who your pal aligns with their palate. That's that, it. because because listen, their wines that get a ninety-six from a Josh or a Jeb, and they get ninety-one from the Wine Spectator. So then you're like, well, if something gets a ninety-one and to Rome for out from Wine Spectator, I might like it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well,
1: listen, all these guys were blowing up a certain region in seventeen, and I thought the wines were disgusting. They yeah. were grapey. They were the booze was bullshit on the back label. These were all I, I ran some numbers. These were all sixteen-eight, seventeen alcohol wines. They taste like grape juice. They were so overripe and pruny and grapey. And I remember guys are bringing them to parties. Oh, this was the 100-pointer. This was the 100-pointer. And it, I'm, when I pointed it out, it was almost like getting in people's head. Mm-hmm. It's like everybody kind of likes bread until they know what bread is. It's a spoilage fucking yeast. And once you know what bread is, it's just fucking disgusting. It's disgusting. disgusting. It, it, it ruins everything. It makes everything taste alike. Right. And then you're like, I can't drink anything with bread. Right. And so I started pointing it out to a couple pastel winemakers who were just like, oh, slobbered. And I remember at the end of the night, all those hunter pointers were were only a quarter exactly. drinking. Right, right, right. And all these just super delicious yummy wines were choked down, but these super high-alcohol, grapey. But you got to remember the credit, in fairness to a guy, and, and Jeb Dunnick is one of the fucking coolest. Jeb and Josh Reynolds, two of the fucking coolest motherfuckers you could ever meet, yeah. right? And, and listen, these guys aren't stupid. They know fucking wine. But- when you're tasting, their job sucks. People don't even know. Like, like that's what people like. People think it's bull.
0: Like, oh, you taste wine for them. Like, you know how hard it is. Like, even being a wine buyer to go to a tasting. There's five hundred fucking wines. You got to get through as many as you can in two hours. It's it's like it's not like it's not like you can't even really. In my opinion, and I love both those. It's like, is is you got to enjoy a wine over a few
1: hours or even a couple of days. To really understand it. Jeb has told me on multiple occasions, I said, bro, you got to read fucking score that last year's wine. You fucked it up. He goes, I make mistakes all the time. Jeb looked me in the eye and said, he knows that. Um, Plus, he doesn't get the evolution of the bottle. He's tasting current release. And so they have a hard job. So you hit it on the nose in what I've told people. Your best critic may be uh, Aaron Brooks at uh, uh, Parker it may be Josh Reynolds yeah. or Anthony it like. may be that's the person you stick with yeah. it may be your supermarket person or exactly. the wine shop next to you I got a badass wine shop next to the Park Hyatt where I'm at Oak and Steel and these guys are good and every time I ask them something they steer me it's like whatever they say I'm going because they, they now know my palate exactly. and yeah they may have a mess but that's the greatest critic in your life is that person that you follow and you're like they're normally always on. That's the person you follow. Yeah,
0: exactly, exactly.
1: So when you,
0: after working with Stefan and Justin, and when you, you and Lisa was like, we're going to make our own wine, um, did you know you were going to be the winemaker originally?
1: I wasn't going to be. I okay. was going to hire. And so my deal was Stefan was the guy. Okay. And so he made the the what was called the uh, remnant. It was going to be a Bordeaux, but I didn't like it enough. Um, I thought it was too tannic. Uh, I thought it was a little herbaceous, which was odd because it was heavy amount of Cab Franc in it, which is Cab Franc's just kind of herbaceous. Yeah. And Justin uh, was going to make the rones. And then Justin kept telling me, and so did Stefan, trust me, you're going to make the wine. Because all I did was farming those days. Mm -hmm. I knew how to make wine. I Mm -hmm. followed those guys. I worked every harvest with them. Mm -hmm. And sure enough, after one year, it became clear to me that I needed to make the wine that I wanted to make. Everybody has that path, and it's not a disrespectful path. Those two were the greatest mentors in the world. They, I was with Justin at his beautiful, beautiful property, uh, a new property, Cooler Climate, just a badass place. Drinking champagne the other night. I owe everything to those two guys. But I really wanted to make a wine in my style. Yeah, And those two would be the first to tell you, hey, you got to put your stamp on it. And they really forged a way with both showing me the importance of farming um, and, and really the, almost the unimportance of winemaking. <laughs> I don't mean to bash it, but I could, tr- I could teach a monkey to make wine. Farming is <laughs> a difficult part. Choosing right. the right site, the right spacing, the perfect dapple sunlight, the perfect canopy management, that's, that's the gig. And both those cats taught me that from day one. Once it gets in the winery, just don't fuck it up, man. Just you know, don't be heavy handed and, and you know, grapefruit is you know, it just don't screw it up.
0: Mm, mm. Um you've actually let me back it up. So how'd you feel on your first release? Like 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 what's it like to release your first wine, man?
1: It was pretty cool, and and in those days, like a ninety-five or a ninety-six was a hundred points. They didn't yeah. no one gave yeah no one gave hundred points, right. And I remember Parker had tasted my wines, and they were just on some random local guy put up a shopping cart to be, for me to be able to sell my wine, and I didn't have a list yet or anything, And Parker gave my Ripper and Fracture, I think, a ninety-five, and that that year that was the highest scoring Grenache I think maybe in, in the state. Like it was fuck. And the next morning I woke up, I'm like, hey, Lisa, I think something's wrong with the website. It, it, it's, 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 like no wine lab, <laughs> you know. And so it was pretty cool. But in hindsight, you know, that wine was so fucking delicious that year. But man, there was so much booze in that wine. That wine was, in fact, I was 17. So we had to back blend some Syrah just to bring it down to like 16.1. And that wine was like, Dragon fire, but it was so gorgeous. It was a, a severe drought, very hot year, extremely hot. And Justin had me wait to pick. Everyone else panicked and picked early, and the wines were so debaucherous. But you know, I they didn't age. Yeah, great. Yeah. You know, they're not. I'm not walking into a party with a bunch of friends and bopping those two hundred five. I'm not gonna lie to you, man. Might have had a little elevated VA as well to go along with. You know, they were bone ass dry. How I got them bone ass dry, I don't know at those alcohol levels. But uh, yeah, it felt incredible. Right. And then, you know, you I learned so much. My first five, six releases were that way. They were so great year one, but I didn't care about VA. Right. You know, I'm not afraid to admit any of this shit. I've made more mistakes winemaking than I care. You still do every year. I've never made a wine that I'm like, oh, it's banging. I still pick out flaws with every wine, like, yeah, I probably did this or that. There's rarely a wine that I make, if ever, that I say, you know, that was what I was looking for. The 2011 Ripper was the one that I say, and I just poured it a dinner the other night, and it was the wine of the night with the customers. I didn't put anything in anybody's head, and... I submitted that wine like three times to Jeb. I continue to submit it to You fucked this up. He continues to give that thing like a 93 or something like that. I'm like, bro, you are missing the goddamn mark on this thing. And uh, no, every year. In fact, he might have downgraded it. I don't fucking know. But uh, Shit, we're going to have to have that. I'm going to come out for the jar make sure we have some of that. Yeah, but um, yeah, you make so many mistakes. In those early years, I made a lot of mistakes. and uh, But you know, it was it was the Wild West, man. It was in Paso is Justin, you know, we thought what we thought then we now we're so much more refined now. We're so much yeah. like we don't make just the dumbass kid mistakes that we, we're gunslingers, man.
0: Yeah, so that's, that's how you got the reputation. Uh, you were called the Relentless Experimenters. It was, it was just the Wild West in past, right? Just the ability to just...
1: Age shit for five years, six years, leave it in a tank on stems for two years. Uh, hey, let's see what happens here. Russell Fromm from Herman Story, the same way, man. That dude was doing stuff that he should have been put in jail for, you know?
0: Yeah, I, I I would suspect some of his wines are probably like 20% alcohol. <laughs>
1: He don't care. He don't give a fuck. He makes delicious fucking juice, him and his wife, Villia.
0: Oh, the Sparta. Oh my God. Her
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. They're shit. Don't it's know. a great couple. Don't... Two more characters
1: of Paso though. Two two more people that came in with not a pot to piss in and, you know, created this cult following that's almost religious in its fervor. And, you know, they created such a great life with just Making delicious wines.
0: Yeah, let's talk about cult status. How, how does one get
1: cult status? That's a douchey term. I don't fucking know. Yeah, I wouldn't call it cult status. I'd just call it a following. The, the word fucking cult, you know, uh, is a I little, mean, little bit much for me, but I'd say a following, right? Jim hey,
0: Jones had a following. Yeah, I mean, you see how that ended. I right? know. Right?
1: <laughs> Marjorie Gortner, who I talked about. Oh, my about.
0: God. If, if you could put some, never mind. I go there, but if you put some poison in some Paso wine, we'd have a lot of we way more people than
1: James. <laughs> yeah, Paso's on fire because of that reason. The wines coming out are so badass. And 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 the way you get a following is you just you don't bullshit. You stay relentless. You know, I've always woke up every morning and said, you know, how do I learn today? How do I get better mm. today? And then I tell myself, be great today. Mm. Th- those kind of three things always resonate. How am I going to learn something new? How am I going to get better? Never be the smartest guy in the room and learn. And so my winemaking style is always, I'm never afraid to admit it. All these guys, like when I had Tony Biagi consulting when I first launched the My Favorite Neighbor Project, I had Benoit Touquet. really was so inspirational for me from Realm. And, and, and then I actually paid Tony. It was like, people were asking, why are you having other winemakers? It's like, Oh, so you got all the motherfucking answers, huh? <laughs> well, good, good. you don't need to ask any questions. then. fantastic. Since I don't, I got a guy with 30 vintages under his belt. I had Stefan with 35 vintages under his belt. Like, I'm not one of those cats when I get into a situation. When me and my team of Pete and Kyle uh, uh, are kind of threesome, when we have a question, and, you know, Pete's a formally trained chemist. Well, this is why I'm like, Pete, I don't want you to back in an equation to how to figure this out. Let's get... Dr. Zucklin on the line from Virginia Tech. Yeah. and but let's also call, you know, call Andy Erickson, call uh, uh, Jordan Fiorentini over at Epic. Let's call all of our friends and find out who's been in this situation. We don't need to recreate no damn wheel. Somebody's experienced what we're experiencing. Let's find out what they did, and don't be so proud. And that I I love doing that. Most winemakers are so afraid. To pick up that phone, they think they know it all. They would, they are so afraid to ask that question. I'm never afraid. I don't care if it makes me weak. I want to know from somebody that went through because wine throws you a new curve every single. It's mother nature.
0: I mean, I mean to your point though. I mean, that's one thing. Um, Tony Robbins always said it's called modeling. There's, there's someone. Listen, there's nothing new under the sun. Somebody's had a stuck fermentation that. Someone has already gone through that shit. So why, why would you like try and fucking just – you want to figure it out? Just fucking call someone who figured it out
1: already. In 15, I must have called 50 people. And by the way, none of them were calling each other. They're like, we're moving up the bottling date. and Of course, we're going to use our maximum back blend from the 16. But they were all too proud. Now, there are all those little factions. But a lot of the wine countries that are wealthy, the owners don't want the winemaker sharing shit.
0: Yeah, because they old... they yeah, they they're, right, like, they're all on that old... Exactly.
1: Yeah, they think there's <laughs> something yeah. proprietary. There ain't Exactly. proprietary. I got some news for you. Yeah. <laughs> there ain't shit proprietary. But in PASA, we share a lot. Like I, the kids... When I get out of here today, I got a young guy. He said, can you give me an hour? I want to learn a little bit more about growth and, and, and what you're doing, how you did... Harvey and Harriet, my favorite neighbor. I had another young kid last week do the same thing. Gave him an hour. I get the younger guys by... On a weekly basis, uh, you talk not,
0: to uh, Dylan Peckenborough.
1: and it, you must know those kids. No, oh, those two are fucking they're stars. Cr-
0: fucking ninety-six points out the gate. Yeah, and what? the wines are fucking. Legit. The wines are delicious. Yeah, I don't know how they're going to age, but they're delicious. And I don't give a shit about aging wines. I'm going to die, so I'm going to drink my fucking wine. Just yeah, you don't want new,
1: you don't want new daddy hitting that, no, and that's no, what happens. No, exactly. You go everything you leave behind. Exactly. Some dude with a bigger chest than exactly. you, a smaller belly. Yep.
0: Which would be. A six pack because uh, my belly ended up big, but anyway, let's talk about my favorite neighbor, man. Because we, we that's come up. I love that. So like, fucking my favorite neighbor. Like, how did you come up with the name and and what's the story behind that project, man?
1: So I saw all these sugar wines scaling, you know, and making all this money, and mm-hmm. it just pissed me off. And then on the other end, I saw a lot of my buddies up north mm-hmm. making cabs for four hundred, five hundred. They'd get a score, they'd raise it another hundred bucks, and I'm like. So I grew up broke, and so my deal was, why not, let's make a fucking wine for everybody. Like, I don't, I never had this desire to make a five or six. That's not to say I'm not going to do it, right? but it just was never on my radar right. to make this wine like that. And then on the backside of that, I got all these wines... Putting 10 grams of Mega Purple and making all this sweet shit. I know,
0: and making money, man.
1: Oh, and cleaning up. And, and these wines are dominating the by the glass. Yep. They're dominating the wine world. And I'm like, I'm going to make something unmanipulated. I'm going to force the farmers, not force because I have relationships with them, but I'm going to put a clause in the contract. I want the grapes organically farmed. I'm going to be in every ranch weekly worrying about... Can- showing them about sprawl and canopy management, and what direct sunlight does to cab. That's why Napa does so well, right? They get canopy, so they don't have a lot of direct exposure. That's why you don't get this overripe, overly grapey that we used to get in Paso because we were all trying to grow Cabernet in pure calcareous shale or limestone, and we were getting six, you know, twenty-inch canopies, six-inch to twenty-inch canopies. Well, the-, the grapes were getting smoked, and so you had overripe. So that's why I, I seeked out clay sites but um yeah i that's what spurred it on. i'm like fuck this i'm gonna make a a, one of those kind of cult style i guess if you say wines but i'm gonna charge 50 bucks for it I, i ain't gonna charge 250 and so that i had my favorite neighbor already everyone got a bottle if you were on the list and i said let's take my favorite neighbor And grow it. Let's scale it. Let's go lock up. And I locked up all the best sites. Because all the other cats in that price range, they were on the deep east. And a lot of them were manipulated. And so they didn't care where they got the fruit from. Yeah, they just needed some grape juice to to, to work with. And so I said, I want baller ass sites. So I went to Anthony at Denner. I went to a guy named Mike Ferlotti at Gateway, which is just uh, uh, I, I look at it from my vineyard, and it's mostly clay. It's the perfect Bordeaux site. Although they do have one hill of Syrah that's absolute rocket fuel. And I went to David Parish up in the Adelaide. I went to all these guys, and that had the, these awesome, more clay-driven sites that could get canopy, that could get hang time, and I could hang out to mid-October. Vineyard drive, shit. I picked my stuff at uh Low Pie, which is next to Denner. And dinner, I picked that shit almost November 1st at like 23 bricks, 22 and a half bricks. I'm I'm just waiting for the acid. I'd pick it, you know, at 20 bricks, but the acid's always, there's so much acid. So that was the project to make a banging ass opulent wine. And then I realized, holy shit, 50 is still too much money for Americans. Like, that's still- Oh yeah, I mean, I mean,
0: like you can't get, yeah- and it it's a lot. It's a lot of money a, for a, a lot, Monday yeah. night, Tuesday it's, night. Yeah. It's
1: a lot of money for a Friday night. Yep. And so that then spawned another idea, Harvey and Harriet, my mom and dad. And the picture of them on a tightrope and you know the abyss below with divorce, with kids doing drugs, growing weed, girls getting pregnant. I mean, my family was great, but boy, they, it was, they were all black sheep. We were all a fucking problem, and this is America. So I wanted a thirty-dollar wine that I still make the farmers farm organically, that I could grow to get even in the hands of more people, and so that thus Harvey and Harriet. So a little blacker fruit, a lot of Syrah and Malbec in that, Mm. Um, and then my favorite, just a little bit more of an opulent style, a bigger pop of acid, and you know some people like. The one more than the other and it, it's just a coin toss but both clean wines you know dry wines no fucking sugar no coca-cola yeah
0: you know what man <clears throat> we're gonna we're gonna do like a uh we're gonna do a i'm gonna get one of my new york burger guys to come out we're gonna do a, a smash burger pop-up doing hdr at booker we're gonna just have fucking just burgers and fucking my favorite neighbor in Harriet and Harriet. You know.
1: Let's take it a step further. Let's do a blind, which I do all the time. Let's get a bunch of cats in a room that know wine. Not hoity-toity. I'm not talking no, about no, someone no, that no, fucking no, no, no. has to go through a class to know if it's from DRC or the Vineyard Next Door. Right. Uh, regular people, regular wine drinkers that just love wine and brown bag. All right, so we'll do brown bag and uh, burgers. You guys heard it here. You you and him stay in the guest house, and uh...
0: yeah, I'm gonna hook that up because I was talking to Vicky. I'm going to do some HR, so this is perfect. Um, You're very passionate about organic farming, Um, uh, and I know Booker's been certified. What is the advantage? And and, and, like you said, everybody you're working with on on these new projects, what why why are you? What's the advantage in your mind? And how does that translate in the bottle?
1: Well, I don't make them get certified. I didn't want to get certified. Because I don't like to be a part of a cult or a group, yeah. but Chris Cherry convinced me that they're pretty cool. That there's like it's not a cult, and that they just help you manage and get there. Look at all your labels, and so the CCUF was great. So finally, after farming organically all those years, we actually uh, Chris really pushed me. He's like, bro, it, it means a lot. Like you you need to be one of the leaders. Get out there. Like quit bullshitting. Uh, I won't certify my biodynamics. Just because I think that that organization is a pay-to-play cult, um, it's a little cuckoo for cocoa puffs. Yeah, so it's you a understand little cuckoo for cocoa puffs. biodynamics. but I I use those principles. Yeah, we farm well, exactly. You don't listen. You exactly I do the preps. You, there you go. Yeah. And um, we do look at the lunar calendar and make decisions based on that. And uh, but I just think, listen, I got two glasses of wine here. Uh, let, let's use the apples, right? I got two apples. I urinated on one of them, and I didn't urinate on the other one. Which one do you want? I'm going to go with the one without your urine. Okay, yeah. Yeah, pretty easy decision, right? Yeah. So why, when we shop for food and we're in the food system, wouldn't we concern ourselves with something with a skull and a fucking crossbones on the back of it that was just applied, and then we're supposed to be convinced that the food or the, the stems don't respirate and breathe in that, uh, I mean, you know that study they've done. it. They do it all the time where they go to organic vineyards and they find still trace amounts of Roundup because of drift. Right. Now, now every chemical company is going to sit here and try to tell me, oh, no, 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 it, it's gone within the reentry period. And, you know, within three days, it's washed off. It's this, it's that. It's like, really? Because they're still showing, proving every year. And they're finding Roundup, trace amounts of Roundup in organic vineyards.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Like, they
1: aren't near anything, but because of drift. So don't tell me the shit you spray. And so, yeah, that's the way I eat. It's the way I live my life. I care about what goes in my body. And more importantly at the winery, I care about what goes in the consumer's body. If I'm not going to put it in my body, why would I think I could put it in theirs? Mm. So, yeah, man, fuck that.
0: Yeah, that's crazy, man. So, you know, I had the, I had the pleasure of, of of visiting Booker. When I was in Paso Robles back in April, man, badass state of the art uh, visitor experience. How like you've mentioned this with your wine, but like there is a very specific vision when someone comes to visit Booker. Like,
1: how did you create that vision? Well, I created it because I lived in a fucking modular and I dreamed every night. You know, okay. Uh, I lived in a freaking. I lived in a triple wide actually. Okay. Stefan lived in like a single wide. I mean, this was a rat trap. <laughs> Mine was at least had three pieces. We had a (laughs) a kitchen for for like two. He's like, you know, I moved here from Newport Beach. I have standards, bro. We put a kitchen on ours (laughs) that wasn't in the living room, uh, which, you know, in those days everything was segmented. Now everybody's kitchen is a part of their kind of great room. But I just used to dream about this really putting Paso in a great light. And and when my two mentors, Justin and Stefan, stepped up their game and built these state-of-the-art facilities, I just felt almost the pressure to say – yeah, man, Let, let's let's show Paso in a different light that it doesn't have to always be dirty barns, and that's the charm of Paso, but that there can be some of these unreal experiences. So I always had a vision that on that hill by the winery, there would be an indoor-outdoor facility, which is why the pocket doors disappear, mm-hmm. that you could literally be tasting wine and take two steps and grab a cluster and eat it. So you were really having a wine and a great experience it wasn't just some hoity-toity with a bunch of tchotchke paintings and you know gold leaf and it if you notice it's very simple it's just simply it's beautiful it's and it's clean it's clean it's so the beautiful. architect uh, from mexico city juan carlos fernandez uh signum architects out of uh, napa when i saw his work i'm like this is my guy but i'd already always had a vision and i just turned it over to him and my wife and what they designed as you know now has been on architectural digest it's been in magazines around the world it's unreal for its simplicity and then of course right below it you get in an elevator and you go down into the fucking cave but so I just had a vision I gave it to them and they really executed it beyond where I could have ever imagined and I wanted people when they pull down the street literally to hear music so I got speakers as you pulling down the street you can hear music blaring i want when you pull in those gates for you to just breathe and say it's my time it's my day and that's why i hire all the cal poly kids i don't have a bunch of overtrained psalms a bunch of super buttoned up i got a bunch of kids but they know their are shit but right. they're kids yeah because especially for people with kids when you see another kid at your kid's age, like in the college age, because a lot of our visitors are still in that age where they're yeah, they're yeah, 50 and yeah. so they got these kids in college, they can always picture Johnny or Melissa. Oh, you know, Johnny could have worked here, you know, and it puts a smile on their face. And all I want to do is make people smile. You're going to make your decision on the wine. We don't talk about the scores. We don't talk about accolades nowhere. It's not shown anywhere. All you get is a gorgeous smiling face of, well, until the damn mask mandate came back yesterday. So now you'll see a smiling mask, but you'll see eyebrows and eyes. And just someone happy. They're not going to try to tell you how it was fermented. You need that. They give out my number there, literally. and And we tell them all that. But really, it's just about their day and and the wine and the, the history of Paso and the story. And we want them... To sit there and drink and, and maybe start rubbing each other's legs. And, you know, it's their anniversary or it's their special weekend. We want them to be in the pocket, man. Yeah. I love that. Um, Always great tunes. There's record players everywhere. I know. Fucking Always so, great listen, tunes.
0: Listen, I man. was like, shit, this is my guy when I came up there. Um, Krongbin,
1: uh, uh, Bon Iver, yeah. Floyd, uh, The Beatles, Dylan. Uh, but then, you know, n- anything that's coming down, uh, that's new, uh, that gets hit. So pretty diverse, you know, a lot of old jazz, a lot of Billie Holiday and, uh, you know, Rita. Uh, but, but then to modern day, you know, you might hear Lord Huron spinning or dirty heads who are not new by
0: the way. Where was the, uh, whose idea for the glass of bill rosé when you come in the door?
1: Me, man. I <laughs> want you to walk in and I want you to and that's only for the uh members experience. You yeah. gotta be on the list. Uh everybody else just gets rose. See
0: see how I threw you through you like now people are gonna get your list, man.
1: Um well they are, I got a glass of Bilicotte Rose, but I am a black are, wine guy. Gee, and by the way, you you needed <laughs> I that. didn't I didn't even need to be stapled fucking hole in my head. <laughs> like you needed to be need, stapled. You right. came in banged up. And we drank some more. Oh God, we powered through, and then we went to dinner. And that then we went night. to dinner. Yeah, I was banged up. Which you brought the tempranillo, which I had never had your tempranillo,
0: and you brought some ripper, and then wine of the night. Greg Brewer's like twenty ten chardonnay. That shit was delicious. What the fuck? It was people at- talk bullshit about California chardonnay. Oh no, 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 no. no. no, no. In,
1: in, in that area, we buy fruit for our new. Shard project, uh, my favorite neighbor Long. the shard from there is 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 dope. I mean, it is just delicious because it's not over the top. It's it still has great. Acidity. Where are you buying the shard? Has, are you down in Santa Barbara County, Santa Barbara okay. and Edna Valley.
0: Yeah, Edna Valley's great. Oh, it's so cool. cool.
1: Tally's done a great job for oh my years. God, with rosemary's awesome. yeah, uh, and Rincon and, and and haven't got you know a bunch of.
0: Uh, I tell you what, uh, Tally is another one, and fucking Brian Babcock. Oh fuck! No, God, I mean, fucking. I don't want to. The I don't vineyard
1: wanna... I bought from was because I have not Brian's wine, and they said this fruit goes to Brian. Yeah, and I'm like, sell me whatever he's not. Buying.
0: Yeah, I mean, like a lot of people have come up Santa Barbara, blah blah. They're making wine. They've come from the restaurants. So I'm going to say about it, but there's fucking Brian Babcock. Yeah. Okay, was in the Santa Rita Hills before it was Santa Rita Hills.
1: He's one of the legit ones. Santa Barbara gets a knock because the winemakers. Sometimes aren't the coolest. They, they they fight each other. They're aristocrats. Yeah, cause they come yeah. from Psalm and yeah, you know they or come they, from a higher LA or you know, yeah, some they say, come yeah, from right. a higher level. But Greg, shit, Greg is the man. He is the man. And and, and
0: Sonya makes her Sonya makes beautiful wines. Love her. I love Jonas. Yeah, she makes. That beautiful was great wine. having those two. at Denna. Yeah, they are. Just that was so a, that was solid and, and they
1: apologize for nothing for what they do. No, Greg's mm-hmm. always been the same. Unapologetic. Um it's just what I do. You don't fucking like it, don't buy it. Now, you have a podcast. Tell, tell, tell my listeners about your podcast. Popping corks. I, I do it when I want to. See, you're on 54. I'm probably on 11. I've had some NFL guys. I've had some Major League Baseball players. And then he had me, which was really, it was you? really
0: cool. He fucking called me. He got my number. He fucking called me. He was like, you know, listen, I, I love your shit, man. I, I want,
1: you know, it's, this is what we do. Yeah. Like- well, you were just serious. I mean, it's real to you. To me, I hate to do shit when it's not real. But for me, I was having to do everything. I was a one-man show. And I'm a dad. And I'm making wine and farming. So then all of a sudden, I got to find the guest. I got to arrange everything. Man, I don't know shit about shit. I had the iHeart folks with my gal Biata and her husband, uh, but that was it. And so I do them kind of when it's convenient. I got Greg, uh, the the founder of Corvin, coming up. I'll get. Uh, I'm gonna reach back out to my guy. Is he gonna and, come into the cuff? Yeah, uh, he, he's coming in. Yeah, he's coming, staying in the guest house, and uh, so I'll ramp it back up. But I had Jock Peterson. Uh, who just, the Pearl guy from the the Braves when he was a Dodger. Him and Austin Barnes, two great friends. Um, I've had uh, 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 Boomer, uh, David Wells, who's a fucking... Uh, I know, I used
0: to hang with Wells. Oh, Wells And is. then late In the late 90s. <laughs> you, better, yeah, you better have a hollow I... leg and some time. Because <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, he used to go to Dorian's and my boy Rob was a bouncer at Dorian's and they would all yeah. come in, Dave, uh, uh, Chili Davis...
1: Chili's my man. Chili, um, I'll get Chili on. Yeah. Chili, I'll I'll get Chili out. Uh, I just met Chili, and he calls me the next day. He goes, e, we gotta hang." I'm like, "Fuck, Chili, days. <laughs> like, when do you need me to drive there? You know where you at right now? So Chili, uh, I'll get Chili on. Uh, uh, I'll get Brett Saberhagen, who's become a good friend. Oh wow! Um, yeah. And is a big wine guy, Chili's a huge wine cat. Always has been. Um, looking for property and nap. I'm gonna sway that to Paso. Um, But yeah, I I don't have what you have. You you were a pro at it, and for me, it got embarrassing because first of all, I, I got so I banged up. I by the time we started rolling the tape, everyone was, no,
0: dude,
1: everyone was fucked up. I'm gonna just
0: be honest, man. I will. I was like banged up when I came into this too. I was hot. I came in with a hot mic talking about my anatomy and ways so i should <laughs> of you though man. that I know, I, I guy calls never, me and says
1: I, we should do some editing here what do you think <laughs> i said you feel free barry um, barry you're a pro um
0: i mean literally this is a pro tip when you go to paso robles just make sure you got an uber or a driver because there's it the wines let's just say the average 15 percent alcohol let's just say they average that um and it's not it's not experience for most people like and everyone's well, by, by, by the way
1: chat didn't have to pop average is 16 well i know that right but they don't say it and napa's all 15 oh and two napa's to all 15 five. i know no
0: this is this you're so true and and what? i remember philippe once said people don't even understand how hard rhone shit particularly grenache when you talked about that 20 the 20, uh, 2011 like philippe can not be you know it's but he's like okay so you you're picking for ripeness he said but like in, like, five hours, it can go from 15% alcohol to 18% alcohol. Like, it's it's such a short window when you're picking Grenache. But,
1: they, but slow your fucking roll, my guy, saying when you go to Paso. Nobody put a gun to your head and told you to have seven bottles. You didn't have to taste every Mother barrel at Saxum. You slow you your roll. Now, you know. You didn't have you to, know, to it, taste it, every first of, first of
0: all, you roll up to Saxum. And you could have spit. And, 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 and it if it says no visitors and you got the gate code you're not going to fucking spit okay you're not nobody spits at saxum and then after that you didn't not have to go a, visit not, ledge uh, yeah. and
1: probably turtle rock with donny burns I, I
0: think did i do and i'm trying to remember did i do saxum then turtle rock i think i did i he, think i he's think i was acting went, like they had him tied down i'm not am I'm, I'm not saying like i'm not saying I'm, try, I'm a professional i'm just trying to help people out man i'm not saying I know what I did. I was like, and I told my mom, I was like, "Oh, we're not spitting. This is saxum." I said, "We're from the rest of the day. We're drinking." Right, like you need to understand. This I got a gig. funny
1: story that one didn't make the cutting. It 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 landed on the cutting floor. It was a bunch of very high profile athletic directors who I'm I'm very good friends with, and we drank all day up at the house by the pool. And their wives are floating on rafts. We're shaking cocktails. They're living life like they're. It's it's one of them's birthday party, and ads are buttoned up. Dudes, but these they they tear it up, and unfortunately they was tore up from the floor, up. and we get in there and they start saying things that an Ad cannot say. I uh, never made it. Yeah. I, my buddy called me and goes, "You like these guys, right?" I said, "Yeah." Well, I don't know what we're gonna if we're gonna be able to make ten minutes out of this or five minutes, but these guys run universities pretty much. So I said, "Flush it," and, and by the way, burn it, burn it. Like, uh, that's
0: so funny, and
1: and so. My podcast, people say things like, go to the Boomer Wells one, which is messed up on Zoom. He's at his hunting ranch in Michigan. Boomer probably should have walked some of that stuff back, but that's Boomer. And if you know Boomer, he talks about him and Coney, and he might have wanted to get some authorization (laughs) from David (laughs) Cone. Because... He said some things that Coney probably does not need out there, but uh, well, that's
0: why you said to me, you are like this is like this is like it's it's one it's twelve o'clock at night. We just smoked a blunt and we've been drinking all day, and I was like, okay, so this is, this is what I would say to you. And I remember then we were over at we were over at the castle and we were talking, and you are like, bro, you need to get an HR person if you you're gonna get you you you're gonna need an HR person, bro.
1: <laughs> well, that's what Poppin' Corks is. It's the shit that you and the three the, of us yeah. would chill and. We would talk about once we pop corks, yeah. whether they're bourbon corks, yeah. whether it's Firestone Walker's badass anniversary cork beer, uh, or whether it's wine corks. It's the shit we would talk about if you're by a fireplace and there's no holds, whether it's you want to go political, right. you want to talk diversity yeah. and culture, whatever we're going to talk about. And sometimes, unfortunately, when you started five hours before the podcast, you're gonna say well. Some I shit. mean,
0: it's not unfortunate. I just think it's unfortunate that like we don't we like we're in positions where we don't want to capture the rawness. But the conversation was hot, though. The conversation was dope. Oh,
1: we should have just let it roll. I know. But now we're in a situation where you say something, right. And you've offended everybody, Ex- exactly. I mean, like you know, with comedians, like before. with Chappelle, Ch- Chappelle. Listen, it can't I even lo- be
0: comedians. I, I love the fact, like so many people come on and still, and like you know, it's still Chappelle, right? Because. It's a fucking joke, motherfucker. Like that was the comedian's role was to point out everything in society: blacks,
1: whites, Jews. Lenny
0: Bruce would would be canceled if he were alive right now. You know what I mean? Like, come on. So um,
1: they were the last people with no rules. Right? Exactly. We all gave him a pass because why? Because they tore everybody, everybody exactly
0: tore everybody up. And
1: now they Carlin, George Carlin. Oh my god, oh, yeah.
0: could you imagine George Carlin trying to be a comedian nowadays? Couldn't do it. Richard Pryor. But Richard Pryor is like they just wouldn't give a fuck. So good. Well, Chappelle don't. I know, and that's why that's why people still love Chappelle. Like, fuck it, I'm gonna laugh, man. It's a joke. Um, so you have just, um, you just uh were you have sold actually Booker, but you're the managing director. So, um, talk about the acquisition and
1: what's next. What's coming up for you, man? Well, that was my closing dinner last night. And I wasn't buying. I figured. So,
0: I, I figured. I was figuring. I said, "What could he be in New York for? It must be um, they're signing the papers." People yeah. were squirming.
1: <laughs> now, they had already signed, but people oh. were they were uncomfortable. But my guy is the best, and my team is the best. So it. A lot of people were pretty freaked out at first, but I am. I'm a different dude. I don't believe in generational wealth. Mm. I don't believe in leaving it. And I don't mind if you do that. For me, I grew up so poor, I want my kids to carve their own path in life. I've never seen... You show me a fucking kid that grew up with an unlimited wallet, and I'll show you strippers, cocaine, and private planes. Mm. And I'll show you shenanigans and no good and mm. fucked up kids in rehab. Mm-hmm. So it was never going to be allowed spendthrift
0: clauses because you know you can only give your kid five million a year at, yeah, uh, yeah five million every three years and they're going to and they burn it burn it i know it was, i have friends they i know people
1: i live in santa barbara and she was You're never right. going to happen for burn me burn it and so i i thought i would probably go into my 80s making wine and doing it and a a guy named bill newlands who to me is one of the most genuine people i know and and one of the best CEOs in America. CEO, he started flirting with me. He's a Syrah guy. And his favorite Syrah happened to be fracture. And so he invited me one time to his house. He was on my list. And he invited me to his house. He said, hey, you know, if you're ever in Chicago and something like, fuck And yeah, I'm going to fucking rule out. I go to his house. He's a dad. He's got three kids. He goes, uh, I'll, I'll be right back. I got to just run right around the corner and, and pick the kids up from baseball practice. I'm like. Man, this guy's serious. And by the way, he's going to leave me with his cellar. I'm going to start nailing <laughs> shit. I'm looking in there. There's Schrader. There's uh, and There's a bunch of uh, uh, white birds. I'm like, I'm going to hit this. Thing. <laughs> and so he started flirting with me. And then next thing you know, he hires this guy named Robert Hansen, who was ran American Eagle Outfitters, a luxury guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, was Was very high up at Levi Strauss. He was the CEO of John Hardy Designs. So... I met him, and I said, holy shit. Bill told me, I says, man, no way. A company like you guys would ruin my brand. And he goes, I don't think you understand. We're selling all the bottom stuff to Gallo. I want my legacy. The brothers, the Sands brothers are in. The exec board's in. I want my legacy to be fine wine. Like, I, you look what's in my cellar. And so I still wasn't sure, but then when I met Hanson, and he gave me a – the, the the for sure vision I'm like this could work and so we took baby steps it took a while I needed a year to get to know them and then I gave him a piece yeah and for two years they were the best partner like they were they left me alone I made the wine they didn't question shit. all they did is when it was done they sent trucks to pick it up and they sold it <laughs> and Robert <laughs> said we're not going to let any more discounters get it it's it's going DTC and the stuff that Harvey and Eric, my favorite neighbor is going into the right spots. Um, we're going to put it in high-end bottle shops and restaurants. Restaurants obviously took a hit, so we had to shift a little right. bit during COVID. Right. But he goes, we're going to protect the brand. And for two years, Bill would fly out, and we wouldn't talk business. Like the dude would come stay for three or four days with his wife and kids, and we'd never talk business. Like, like, dude, are we going to talk business? He goes, no. We trust you. And so over two years, I'm like, holy shit. So I called Thomas Rivers Brown up at Schrader and I said, Thomas, did they leave you alone? He goes, dude, they don't talk to me at all. Like, I've run the show. Nice. And so yeah, I go, bro, for two years, they don't tell me anything. Oh, and by the way, I made one demand. You guys got to go organic. The next day, they made an announcement in the company that they are switching Tokelon to organic farming and they did it. And now I've hooked him up with Carlo Mondavi and his Monarch tractor electric tractors and they're like all in what do mm. we got to do mm. so they walked the walk they didn't just talk mm-hmm. and so for two years they left me alone and so then they called me back and said you know we think the sales team will be better if they own it because joint ventures they, they they don't get motivated enough they love you but we're going to leave you alone we're not going to park anybody there i says i need one person parked occasionally and that's a general manager and sorry they gave me a star out of new york who was in napa running brands and he had uh, uh, worked in distribution. He was a, he's a freak, Jeff Mizell. And, and so I said, that's all I need. We don't need, and, and I'd like an operations guy as we grow, but these two only visit once a quarter, once a month. And so it was like, let me get this straight. You're going to write me a check for the full amount. I'm going to run the brand. You're going to pay me as an independent contractor to do so. I still run it, make the decisions. Where the fuck do I sign this thing at? <laughs> where the where the fuck do I sign this thing at? They've been great, and their their M and A team is only looking at the best shit now. Um, there's some shit coming down the pike that's baller. Um, we already know. Listen, they gave Andy Erickson the reins at Tokelon Wine Company, yeah, and they're letting Andy yeah. have his plot there, right? And Thomas has his plot in Tokelon for Schrader and Double Diamond. They've done it. are they're, they're reforming. They're reshaping Mandavi. Uh, I'm not going to say that the company never made mistakes because they did because they were a beer company, right? They, no. they, they fucked. They have Modelo, Corona, Pacifico. They are a beer company. But it wasn't until now that they said, we're a wine company. The only way we're going to do this right is by getting the best talent in the world and letting them be mm-hmm. their identity, remembering why we bought them. So, like, these guys don't even check in on me. Yeah. And to the point where it kind of, like, I reach out to the guys, my team, and say, like, Hey man, are, are, are we all cool? Are, are man? We, we good? We good? Because I like this paycheck I'm finally getting. I, <laughs> I never got a paycheck, man. I did expense everything in the company, but this paycheck thing is new to me. And uh, so yeah, it is. And I ain't bullshitting because I will be also the first to turn on. them. like they know this like a Doberman, but they have been unreal. They've become close friends. And again, you everyone's listening and saying, "Oh man, he's just bullshit." He's I don't gotta say shit. There's nothing in my contract. Like, I don't have to say anything. It. It's been legit. It's been a fun ride. I'm going to develop more projects with him and uh, pretty fired up, man. That's fucking awesome.
0: My man, Eric EZE Jensen, thank you for um, coming through. For all y'all who don't know, this was supposed to be an IG Live. And then this motherfucker's like, he's like, oh, I'm, I'll be back. I think I'll be back in time for IG Live. Can we do it early? I'm like, if you're in New York, motherfucker, come on the podcast. And so he got banged up last night, drank some DRC, some baller shit, some Philippinette, out to a bar in Wall Street doing shots with all kinds of crazy people. Um, my man, thank you so much for coming through. Love you, bro. You like you. is like we were instant homies. Um, tell everybody where they can find you, how they can be a part of what you're doing over at Booker.
1: Well, I love you guys and what you do. Um, you, you know how I feel about it. This is not the most welcoming welcoming of businesses to both uh people of color and females and we've made a big push to uh try to change that and you're you're single-handedly making it cool and okay and i want to bring you into this diversity deal that i started with constellation with cal poly and uh bringing perfect i was gonna i was gonna gonna talk to you about
0: constellation afterwards for season four
1: (laughs) and bringing in uh uh to the schools uh this beautiful uh uh black winemaker from uh um Kendall Jackson in Santa Barbara. She is not only strikingly gorgeous, but strikingly talented, mm-hmm. strikingly eloquent, and she's just fucking smart. And she's going to go to high schools and start telling kids, "Hey, this can be a major for you." Yeah. So I want to bring you in on that. Uh, BookerWines.com. Very simple. My favorite neighbor. Uh, MyFavoriteNeighbor.com. Check that'll lead you to anything you want to know about the wines, the list, uh, visiting. And really, more importantly than going to those two sites, just check out Paso. Um, I'm a Paso guy, man, yeah. and I, I want the world to experience it because once you, once you go, you don't go back. <laughs> once yeah, you, yeah, yeah. One, once you, yeah, no, I <laughs> can't say that. <laughs> <laughs> once the black
0: wine guy went to Paso, he will always go back. Let's put it that way. So it's Paso, man.
1: It's <laughs> uh, it's it's just fucking so legit. So, uh, anyways, thanks for having me on. Uh, I need a nap. I need to get a quick workout because I got to hit this thing again tonight. I got yeah. my team at 515 all right, at my the man. Polo Club.
0: Shit. Everybody, Eric Jensen. Until the next time, cheers to the Mavericks. He definitely qualifies. Philosopher, he's one of those. and We all are in no our way, and he's definitely a deep thinker, organic winemaker, and he's definitely a fucking wine drinker. It's your boy, MJ. Peace. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you learned something. You had some fun while you were here. Please subscribe to the podcast and give us a five star review on whatever platform you're listening to. And if you want to be an insider and get special content, make sure you go over to blackwineguy.com and get on our email list.